Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. For some backstory, I'm female, 18 now. I was 13 when this encounter occurred, though. This might be kind of long, but bear with me. I promise that it's a good one. So this encounter happened around 2013, and I was part of this girl's only group. We met up every week and just hung out and do teenage things. There were different locations around my city, and I obviously went to one closest to me. It was about a 10 minute drive from my house, and the building where we met was a massive local park near a lake, which made for plenty of fun times. The group was for girls aged 13 to 17, so we generally all got along pretty well. The particular group that I was in met on Thursday nights and there was nine of us. The two were my family friends who were also my lifelong best friends, them and two other girls and I went to the same school. So there was this camp every year and the goal was to do everything yourself. We had to set up our own campsite, make all of our dinners, all that sort of stuff, and to be quite honest, it was pretty fun. I'd been two times previously, and it's a bit of a competition, and our group split into two. Me, Aaron, Izzy, and Jess. The other five girls were in another group, and one thing that we do to prepare was to go shopping for food, so we did that one night and spent the other few nights packing everything that we would need, like tents and portable stove, stuff for a fire, etc., my friend Aaron and I were in the same class at school, so the Friday afternoon of the camp we left early and her mum picked us up. We live in the same street, so we got our things and carpooled there with the other girls, Izzy and Jess. The park where all the camps were was pretty massive and we stopped for pizza along the way. The first few nights of the camp went pretty well and we stayed up all night eating candy in our tent, sneaking out and walking around the massive park, talking, playing truth or dare and never ever ever and, you know, normal teenage girl things. On the last full day, we did an activity that we chose prior to going to the camp. Out of all the girls in my group, I was the only one who had chosen to do archery and I only knew two other girls from my main group and I got to know some of the other girls I didn't know from the other groups. 
But during the activity, the leaders just started acting really weird. They were looking at each other, whispering and talking on their walkie-talkies. The girls that I knew from our group back at home, who weren't in my group at the camp, were doing archery too, so I hung around with them and we were discussing why we thought the leaders were acting so weird. The leaders seemed to get more scared every minute and they called us all over and told us to go into one of the buildings because we were going into lockdown. I stuck with the girls and some other activity groups went inside. Everyone else from the other activity groups went to the building on the other side of the park though, including the girls from my group at this camp. We hung out there chatting to everyone for maybe an hour I'd guess and we all talked about the camp so far and then about what we thought was going on. And this one girl called Chloe said that a girl had seen a naked man with a knife walking around in the woods. And another girl named Monique said that there was a gang in the woods who knew of this girl's camp and wanted to find someone to snatch. Obviously, we were all freaked out either way. Then, they offered us bathroom breaks and we went in groups of four outside to the bathrooms and two leaders escorted us at all times. There were also two cop cars outside and when I saw them, I felt really uneasy. We started to talk amongst ourselves, but the leaders led us to the bathrooms and told us to shush. When we got into the bathroom, they explained everything. So apparently, a girl in the orienteering group, her name was Pippa, had spotted a naked man holding a knife. So Chloe was actually correct about this. They told us that it was all going to be okay and that the cops were searching for him. They called everyone's parents and the police finished their search and when this was done, one of the cops came into our building and said that they'd got the guy and we were all safe now. We were led back to our campsites and when I saw my friends from the other building back at the tent, I hugged them and they asked if I was okay and I asked them the same. Fortunately, no one was hurt but the girl who saw the man, Pippa, went home and was obviously pretty traumatized. We were supposed to cook our own dinners that night on the fire, but to celebrate, the leaders ordered a crapload of pizza and soda and fries for us to have a massive feast at. We were all pretty scared that night, and we didn't sneak out of our tent like we had the other nights, even though the guy had been arrested, and we were all still pretty creeped out. The next year, there was this girl in my class named Hannah. I found out that she was a part of the same girls club that I was, but from another location in my city. I slightly recognized her after she told me this and I brought up the incident at the camp from the previous year and she was actually at the camp too. She was part of that orienteering group that saw the guy and she told me that he indeed was naked and had a knife. I'm guessing that he was probably on something but still, it was a creepy night. Apartments.com believes that a dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time that you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place.
I come from a military family, and as such, I've lived all over the country, often unable to keep friends for many periods. I also have insane social anxiety, so I'm overall pretty bad at making friends to start with. This story starts after I lived in rural Newfoundland for about three years at age 14. I have no friends, my home life is pretty terrible, and I was at this point pretty depressed. I lived on about an acre of land with a river separating us from about a million acres of rural forest. I have no idea the size or how big it was that had a bunch of ATV trails in it. It was a pretty spooky forest and I have a ton of stories from in there. Of note is the bear trap forest, the 40 foot swamp, the random abandoned suburb and the house in the middle of nowhere. But those are stories for another time. So... It was around late August. My parents had told me that for many weeks now, there had been hoots and hollers coming from our backyard. They had seen flashlights and thought it was some kids just trying to break into our garage and steal some beer or something. There had been some times when I heard it too, normally in the evening, just a couple of voices periodically hollering and often I heard several voices speaking from just across the river in the woods. It was no big deal, a lot of kids hung out in those woods and due to my oppressive social anxiety I sure didn't have any desire to talk to them. After this had happened, for some weeks I had heard the kids doing their usual thing around four in the afternoon and decided, screw it, I'm going to see what's so amusing. So I venture into the woods and go maybe about 300 feet in an ATV trail my neighbour used and I met one of them. I'm going to use their names too, as maybe it will give some context to someone out there. So, the kid that I met was named Jack. He was a year or two younger than me, about a foot shorter I'd say, and wearing some really out-of-date clothes. He seemed kind of surprised to meet me in fact, but we said our hellos and I said that I had heard them for a while now and came to see what was happening. Jack got super pumped and insisted that I follow him to his friend's project. So I follow the guy and I'm brought into an area that's pretty clear cut in a dense part of the woods. I knew this area and I hung out in these woods alone a lot and explored but a lot of this stuff that I was seeing was brand new. There were two other kids there, one my age named Elvis and an older kid by about two years named Lewis. They said that they were working on a treehouse or a fort and wondered if I was interested in helping. I of course said yes as I had never really been asked to ever hang out with anyone before and they showed me around. Now I need to discuss these kids clothes because it was weird. When I say out of style I'm talking early 80s miserable fashion style. Neon colours and one kid had shoulder pads. It was honestly just a, a mess. Plus they wore big rubber boots and the kids looked I want to say new but like they had no signs of pimples. Their hair was immaculate and their clothes were crisp as hell and I just assumed that they had hand-me-downs from their parents or something. By the way too, they stated that they were all friends and not brothers. So, these kids were nice to me and I mean really nice. I never really got to know them though, I mean they never wanted to talk about their home life or anything. But I guess that's not too surprising as to where I lived and all that, but... We used hatchets, saws, ropes and nails to make a pretty solid fort. It had about 8 foot walls made of birch trees. We made a table to sit at, a lookout post in the biggest tree that we could find. 
The place was about the size of a one-bedroom apartment, I'd say, and we were all around pretty proud of it. One day, we were sitting at the table talking about our favourite trees or something, and I asked Elvis why I'd never seen him around before. I mean, if he lived near me, he had to go to my school. It was one of two schools in my town, and there was no way that he lived in the catchment area of the other one. He insisted that he did, though, and wondered why we'd never met either. We didn't know the same classmates, same people, could barely agree on teachers, but whatever, I guess. These kids talked to me, and that was enough. So, about two weeks after meeting them and building this fort, I said that I needed to go home and get something to eat. I asked if they wanted something too, as this was basically my backyard, and my parents always made too much food anyway, and they became downright hostile. Not over the food, mind you, they just refused to cross the river. Adamantly, Lewis came up with a story about how crossing a stranger's river is bad luck. But I wasn't going to push the issue, so I asked if they wanted something, and they said yes, and I brought back a pie that we could all eat. They apologized about getting angry, said that they were just very superstitious, and honestly, I didn't think more of it. We had a good rest of the day just planning to invade the woods and looking for thick pine trees and whatnot, but cut to about a week later and I went to the fort and we did our thing, but today the kids looked haggard if that's the right word. Jack was particularly bad too. He looked like he had just gotten the beatdown of his life while catching pneumonia three times over or something. I asked if he was okay and he said yeah it was just the flu but they all also looked really wet. Maybe greasy is a better word but they had sick hair and their skin was all shiny and clammy and their clothes just looked terrible. I wasn't shocked, I mean these kids wore the same clothes every day but so did a lot of the really poor kids in town and they never looked like that. Well, we played around for an hour or so before they left, with Lewis saying that he'll see me tomorrow as Jack and Elvis walked away coughing like they smoked a pack a day. I told my parents about these kids and they thought that the kids were weird, but a kid with no friends just found three. Don't ask questions, right? By the way, too, the nighttime hollering had stopped at this point and we never did see the flashlights again after this. So the next day I went back with a hatchet and a bag of nails in hand as the plan was that we were going to give the roof a, a new lookout and when I came to the fort the place was just wrecked. The walls had been torn down, the table was in half and the lookout had maybe one or two pieces left to it. Most notably too was that everything, and I mean everything, was rotting. Like it had been sitting there for decades. The table was basically nothing and I could see growth in what had to have been our floor and it was a solid half tree growth. My only thought at the time too was what the hell and I rationalized that maybe someone found our fort and wrecked it or something and so I just waited for the kids to come and the next day and the next day and the day after that and I waited a week and I never did see those kids again. I was pretty dejected and eventually I stopped trying to wait for them. I wanted to look for them but they had never shown me or told me where they lived other than up the hill. My parents noticed too and asked why I wasn't hanging out with the kids anymore and I told them what was happening. 
They dismissed it and just insisted that if they didn't want to be my friend, I didn't need them anyway, and I was sad for a good while after that, but eventually I got over it. Cut to today though, and I'm 29, and I'm telling my wife about these kids that I used to hang out with, and the time that we made a cool fort. I explain how they look, how they acted. It's overall a pretty good memory with a sad ending, but my wife looks at me wide-eyed and just says, you hung out with a bunch of spooky ghost kids. I find this crazy, but she says, did anyone else see them? And I have to admit that no, they didn't. They saw a flashlight, but not the kids. They heard them and heard about them, but no one laid eyes on them other than me. There were never any records that I could find about them too. No one else in the school that they supposedly went to knew them and they never showed me their house or came to mine, despite my insistence, and my wife said that that was some pretty spooky stuff and I should share it with you guys. And so, here I am. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs, or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. So I shared a story the other day about some weird kids in the woods. It went over pretty well, so I thought that I would share another story that happened to me. So just to remind you, I have these big woods behind my house and I lived at Newfoundland. It was just the wild untapped wilderness for as far as the eyes could see and even way beyond that. Throughout these woods were a series of ATV trails that winded pretty far in as people would often just go for a day into the woods, use them to have bush parties or go moose hunting and all that sort of stuff. But about 15 or so kilometers in, down one specific path, is a raised patch of gravel. No one is sure why it's there, but it was visited about once a month by people often looking to have a party. Me, being a teenager with almost no friends, the woods were basically the only friend that I had. I knew these woods well, knew where all the weird places in them were, knew the trails to go down, and knew when something had changed too. I went in them just about every day, and often just walked for hours listening to music or just enjoying the dull hum of nature. 
So one day, I was going for a longer walk than normal, about 12 hours, and decided that I wanted to go back up to that gravel patch. It had a decent view of the valley, and I knew a few nice places near there that I could just rest and enjoy the scenery. It was a nice enough day with the sun out and summer in full swing, so I left first thing in the morning and walked. The way there was uneventful, and the woods were as they always were, and I didn't think much more of it. It was about a six-hour walk to the patch given the terrain, but I honestly didn't mind. I need to emphasize, too, that nothing was abnormal this whole trip up to the gravel patch. I had some water with me, some snacks, I wore a hat because I sunburned by thinking about the sun too much, sunscreen and proper clothes, and I didn't see another person on this trail, which is expected given where I was going. So, about six hours later, I get to the gravel patch at around 4pm. The patch is about 300 feet across, I'd say, and it creates what basically is a man-made cliff looking over a valley. A smack in the middle of this patch is a house, an old-style box house that a lot of people in Newfoundland used to have. A small little two-story place with a roof that was almost flat, colored a bright pastel yellow. I need to make clear too that no one ever builds these anymore. They kind of suck to live in by all accounts and the last batch was built maybe in the 70s I'd say. But here was this new looking box house on this gravel patch with new windows and everything. Also the path to get there could be generously described as a goat path I suppose with enough space for an ATV to pass through if you don't mind getting whapped by some trees. There is just no way that anyone would undertake this task to build a house up here. But, needless to say, I was really confused when I saw this thing. I circle around the house from a fairly wide berth and notice that a door on the other side is wide open. So, being the intrepid wilderness explorer and idiot that I was, I decided that I'd go in. It led directly into the kitchen and the place just seemed wrong. The room and really the whole house I suppose was decorated as if it came straight out of the 50s. Pastel colored everything, a little table with a yellow flowered tablecloth, an old timey wood stove, ancient kettle, everything. The place looked lived in too and pretty new. The floor was spotless and the only dirty thing was in the sink, a plate or something and I was drawn to the stove and for some reason really liked the kettle too. I picked it up briefly to look at it, and to my shock, it was actually warm. As in, it felt like it had recently been boiling, maybe five minutes ago. I gently place it back down, mouth quietly under my breath, what the hell, and move on exploring. Now, the kitchen led to a small hall with what I presume was a living room at the end and a staircase in the middle to go to the second floor. I could see in the living room a large wooden coffee table, an old-style paisley couch, and a rabbit-eared tube TV in the corner. But for some reason, I was immediately drawn upstairs, so rather than explore the living room, I went that way instead. But the staircase was pretty long, well over 30 steps, but I did eventually get to the top with a tense feeling. By this point, I had taken out my music and was kind of listening for any other sounds. The house was dead silent though, only broken by my creaking of the floorboards. I don't know what I was expecting, but the place did look lived in. I wasn't going to call out or anything for someone as I had a hard enough time believing that this house was even here. 
At the top, though, it was just a wall. To my right were two doors spaced fairly far apart, in a parallel hall to the staircase, and to my left were two doors really close together, with barely a hall, more of a landing, I suppose, parallel to the staircase. All of the doors were closed, and I was in hypervigilance mode, but I decided to take the right and go through the first door. Inside the room were dozens of old creepy Victorian dolls in what I assumed to be a, a little girl's room. There was a small bed and pink walls, tiny half-sized vanity. Thankfully the dolls weren't staring at me as dolls just kind of creeped me out, even on a good day. In the small room there was no little girl in sight, but again, the place just looked eerily clean. The bed was made, the floors were kept, everything was in its place. I noticed an old style hand mirror on the dresser, probably one of those plastic things that you get little kids, and said out loud, eh, why not, thinking that I would take a peek at it. And not one second later, I heard at the door on the other side of the landing, giggling. It was one of those old brass and crystal handles, a fact that I accurately remember. And quite honestly, I had never been so scared in my life as I whipped around to see the door become slightly ajar and the clear presence of another person on the other side. It didn't feel good. I mean, the place had felt just kind of hostile since I walked in it and I felt it rank up to 11 at this point. As quick as I could move, I dashed into the hallway and leapt down the stairs. Lacking the grace of a man that could jump a floor and be fine, I crashed into the wall leaving a decent sized man-shaped hole in what I guess was drywall. I bolted out of the kitchen door as quick as I could, muttering nope over and over again as I began to book it from the house. I did do a quick look behind me to confirm what had happened and yes, there was a house and yes, I did see someone coming down the stairs. It only took one glance, but I made it into the woods and down the goat path, and eventually I just went home. I didn't care that it was probably going to take me a while, and there may or may not be someone chasing me who may or may not have a gun. I just needed to get out, now. The adrenaline lasted about an hour after I made my way back home, and after that I became immediately jumpy at almost anything and walked the rest of the way home in silence. When I arrived home, my parents weren't there, but I wasn't having any of it. I just went into bed and went to sleep as quick as I could. The rest of the summer went by without incident, and towards the end of it, I told myself that I was going to go back to that gravel pit and go look at the house again. Maybe even apologize if I scared the hell out of someone in a house that I barely believed existed. But when I went back there, there was no sign of a house anywhere. No indentations in the ground, no wayward piece of wood, nothing. Just some old beer cans from a party that someone probably had here not too long ago. Thoroughly confused and mildly scared now, I just decided to leave that area well enough alone. When school started up, I told my classmates all about it, but they thought it was just something that I made up, possibly due to heat exhaustion or something. But... I know what I saw and it was a freaky house. Now, one of my classmates, a kid named Randy, said that he was going to go up there to try to find this place if it was there over the weekend. I told him to go ahead, but I'm not going there just in case. Randy reported back on Monday that yes, he did see the house. The same as I described it, box style painted pastel yellow with the kitchen door open. 
but when I asked if he went inside, I believe that his response was, not for a million bucks. Inquiring as to why, Randy stated that when he went there in a second floor window, he saw a little girl and he said that she was maybe five or six. The location fit up with my understanding where the little girl's room would be, and he said that she was just shaking her head, looking straight at him wide-eyed. Randy was a pretty good guy, and he was actually worried that this kid was in this abandoned house with no one to look after her, so he went to the door to get in. But when he looked inside, he saw a figure standing in the living room area, and at this point, he just got out of there as quick as he could stated that the energy was mad and that he had no intention of getting it madder. He didn't look back and he didn't care to, he told me. A few other people went up to the gravel pit to see if they could find the house after that, but no one had any success. They said that it was just a gravel pit and I was being a jittery idiot. But Randy even backpedaled and said that he made it up for me to get scared, but I know fear in someone's eyes when I see it. Randy, he was legitimately scared, and to be honest, I can't blame him. I went back up that way a few more times after that when I lived in Newfoundland. Never did see the house again. It's just one of those things that I can't understand, and it still haunts me to this day when I think about it. That feeling was just so mad. That's the only way I can describe it, and I haven't felt visceral anger like it since. And frankly... Nothing has even come close to it. I've lived and seen dozens of other spooky events, but this one was by far the one that was the most hostile feeling. I can safely say that I hope I never see that place again. A few years ago, I moved with my family right before I started college. Unfortunately, it was kind of far from the university that I'd been accepted into, so I'd been trying to find a place to rent close to my university. My dad helped me and showed me an ad on Craigslist. There was a nice-looking house for rent and it was close to my university, so I decided to set up a meeting to go and check out the place. I showed up in the afternoon and, unfortunately, I was alone. My dad said that I was an adult and a big guy, so I shouldn't worry about meeting this person. This old guy greeted me and then goes, you'll have to follow me to get to the house for rent. I was confused by this and said, your ad said that this was the house for rent. Why do I have to go somewhere else? He says, this is my house. I'll take you to the one that's for rent. I'm a little concerned at this point, but I followed him to his other place anyway. I figured that if things didn't look right, that I would just leave, but we get there and... I noticed that the house looks bad and it looked like people were in it too. I didn't see any cars around though, so this seemed really odd. He looks at me and says, don't you want to check it out? And I said, I don't know, this isn't what was in your ad and it looks like other people are there. And he tells me that the other people are checking it out and I could join them. But something just felt weird about the whole thing and I told him that I just wasn't interested anymore. This place looked in bad shape from the outside and appeared to have people in the house. When he asked why I wasn't interested, I told him it was too far of a drive to school and work. And he got really mad at me and accused me of wasting his time. 
I said, I'm not the one advertising a house and then telling the person that it's not the one for rent. And he began to glance nervously towards the house and asked if I wasn't sure that I didn't want to check it out. I told him no at this point and then I just left. And he never contacted me again, thankfully. I'm not sure what his intentions were, but something about the whole situation just felt really wrong. Maybe he was just trying to show me the house, but I didn't like that he lied about the house to begin with and that there were people inside the other house. I'm not sure what's going on there, but I didn't really want to find out either. I also didn't like how he kept looking at the house when he was asking if I was sure that I didn't want to check it out. It seemed really bizarre how he went from being mad at me to getting kind of desperate for me to go inside. Back in January of 1995, when driving home on leave, I experienced something just straight out of a movie. I was getting ready to be deployed to Gitmo for a joint task force mission and needed my parents to take care of two kittens that I had adopted a few months earlier. The drive home would usually take around six to seven hours, but I didn't mind the drive. Anyone who's ever driven through Texas knows that you can drive for quite a while and not see another car on the road. So it's about 9pm and I'm about 15 minutes outside of Seymour, Texas heading towards Dallas. The two cats for the most part had taken up residence on my back section by the rear window and had been sleeping. And it was here that things started to get strange. So... I notice about 200 plus meters behind me another vehicle's headlights, and I don't think anything of it. A few moments later, the cats both started making this moaning noise over and over again, and I figured they needed to go to the restroom, so I pulled over. So I'm in the middle of nowhere with these two cats freezing because it's January, waiting for them to do their business. After about five minutes and a cigarette, I decided to put them back in the car and gave them a little bit of dry food. I began heading back down the road and so 10 minutes go by and I see headlights again behind me, possibly a little closer than before. Both cats jump up to the rear window and start making their noise again. And it's here when I realize that the car behind me earlier never passed me while I was stopped. I started to slow down to let the vehicle pass me but after going over a hill the headlights just vanished and no car ever drove by. I went through another small town and stopped to stretch my legs. It would have been around 10pm now and I wouldn't have much longer to go and I started back on the two-lane interstate and was coming along around 65 to 70 miles per hour. Sure enough, about 10 minutes out of town, the lights returned. This time though, I said screw it and stepped on the gas. As I approached a bridge heading into the next town, I blew past a police car. He, of course, turned around and lit me up, and I pulled over and rolled down my window, showed him my driver's license, military ID, and badge. He asked me what the hurry was, but seemed distracted while he stood next to my car. He was looking up at the sky, I think. I told him, though, that for the past hour I was being followed by someone, and that no matter what I did, the vehicle behind me just kept pace. He let me off with a warning and told me to take a ride at the flashing stoplight and cut through town. He said that he would stop the next car to come through and check them out. He also mentioned that they were receiving multiple claims from nearby residents of weird lights in the sky and weird noises. 
I thanked him and did as he suggested and didn't have any other issues the remainder of my trip home. If anyone else has had a similar incident, I'd love to hear about it because, quite honestly, I'm stumped with this one. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today.